You are now listening to Glowing Older, the podcast that goes deep with the experts shaping senior living. Brought to you by Motivo, game-changing innovation and mobility, partnering with senior living communities to reduce falls and increase resident quality of life. Enter promotional code GLOW100 at buymotivo.com for $100 off. Hello and welcome to the Glowing Older Podcast, where we interview experts on innovation in senior living and aging well. I'm your host, Nancy Griffin, and I'm so pleased to be here today with Scott Fulton, President of Home Ideations and Chair of the National Aging in Place Council. Welcome to the program, Scott. Nancy, it is wonderful to be with you and your guest today. Thanks very much for having me on the program. Well, thank you. I've been a fan of yours on LinkedIn, so I'm excited to learn more. So before we dig into your company and, and your National Aging in Place Council, tell us about your background and how you became focused on issues of aging. I think I think the, uh, the, the footprints were laid down very early by, and I have my grandmother to thank for that. Um, so I think I just started watching the aging process um, quite early in life and then uh, went and did all sorts of corporate uh, things around the world and got to that point in my career to say, I think I'm ready for something different that's, uh, that's got a little bit more community component to it um, that touches into places that, that matter to me and, uh, and places I think that I can help. And that's really caused me to kind of say, where are the needs uh, really emerging and really, really pointed me to the aging space is seeing a lot of needs coming, uh, coming at us quickly and not many great solutions out there. So true. So true. And I, I, I assume that there's some senior living professionals out there that are a little bit intimidated by what you're doing, but tell us about home ideations and how you make changes in older adults, primary homes to allow them uh, to stay put. It's an evolutionary process with people. Um, the ones who reach out to me are proactive. They're interested in, in really trying to get the best options, they're planning ahead. They, they're really interested in taking the time to do it right. And so, so the sort of things that, uh, that I do with clients, so we used to actually do a lot of the, the work as part of a remodel. Um, I got too busy um, doing, doing these kind of things and some other work. And so now I'm, I'm really a thought partner to homeowners and, and even commercial clients to really stop and think, what are the options that are going to work for you? And it's really a question, I think, of, of helping people through the thought process. They need, a, they need a thought partner to test their thinking. And so it's anywhere from, you know, we know we have some particular needs based on some, maybe we have a diagnosis that says we're going to need some accessibility needs for some uh, some period down the road. And generally, there's always three areas that I point to as kind of the, the, three, the three that everybody has to cover. Uh, and that's primary access in and out of your home, whatever home that is. Um, it's what's, uh, what's going to be the best bathing environment for you to have long term. Um, so what's really good and cool and appealing today but also it's going to work in later years if, uh, if you needed help at some point and, and, and allow that to happen easily. And then the third is, um, is generally around multi-level homes. You know, a lot of people feel they're going to have to move out of their homes if, and find a ranch home or a bungalow. 
And I'm pretty quick to say, hang on, there are some really good alternatives. Let's explore those before you give up the neighborhood that you've uh, invested in for so many years. So those are kind of the three, but it generally it's, um, it, for me, it comes down to the thought partner and the discussion with them around um, what are your individual goals? Because partners don't always have the same goals and values. And then how do we, how do we get the best out of what's available to them? You know, should I stay? Should I move? Those are those are often one of the first questions we're trying to help them answer. But ultimately, everybody knows what to do. They just once they once they've asked the right questions and get good information. So, so that's that's kind of the big picture of what that work is. It's it's a lot of fun because I say I get people who are really interested in in getting uh, getting really good solutions. That sounds like an amazing need. There's just a huge need. So many people staying at home and not having the right situation. I know you are a huge fitness buff. I mean, I follow you on, on social media and you're, you're always talking about nutrition and fitness, and longevity. So tell me, how does that fit in with the work with you do with aging in place? Sure. So it's, again, if you think about a proactive uh, you know, person or a proactive couple, they're, they're looking for long-term solutions. And, you know, the goal isn't to have a home that that's all bubble wrap, right? <laughs> and, yeah. and you don't have to do everything. And, you know, and, and it's, it looks like an institution. You want a home that works and you want to live, right? You want to be able to do all the things that you want to do and not have your home be a threat to you. And that's unfortunately what most people don't realize is just how threatening their home environment is to them. And that gets in the way of doing the things outside the home that they they take for granted today. And so, um, so as part of, uh, I guess, so, so I teach, um, I started by teaching aging in place at the University of Delaware. And that quickly, just because I'm a networking guy, and I tend to want to reach out uh, to experts, and I got an amazing response when I did. Um, it just naturally evolved into more of a, more of a longevity trend. And that for me has been I come from endurance sports, um, so we tend to think much longer range than most people. Um, we have to plan for <laughs> all sorts intended, of right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it it naturally just says um, you want your home environment to support your lifestyle. Well, what's your lifestyle? Well, my lifestyle is I want to stay healthy. Like when I teach people uh, that longevity, I ask them, you know, often how long do you want to live, and almost always it's as long as I stay healthy. And if that's 75 or 105, what matters most is how many healthy years or what's my health span? What can I do about maintaining health span? Well, just making your bathroom safe, make your home easy to get in and out of is only one piece. That's the one of the environmental pieces of five parts of longevity. It's just, it exists within the environmental pillar. And so that, that's really what drew me into it. I say, I'm, and I, I I come from it uh, as the engineer would. I'm very practical about it. Um, I don't. I don't land into any particular camp. I think um, I'm a scientist uh, background as well. So I'm always questioning if someone sounds too convinced around any particular uh, argument. Um, I'm pretty quick to well, hang on a sec. I think there's some good data on the other side. I may lean much more to one way than another, but. Um, it's it's such a huge and emerging space. It's just exciting to be around. And so for me, I want to be healthy and I want to be able to share what I learn with uh, with those who follow. And it seems like uh, people are interested as well. It's not just me after all, which is great. 
No, and definitely not. And it seems like I, I just had a conversation last week with uh, one of the principals of Longevity Capital, um, of a, a venture fund, and they are, are focused much more now on health span. It's not really the conversation on can I live to 126 or beyond. You know, there are those contests and all that side of it, but health span seems to be a, a much bigger part of the conversation. Uh, but back to the to the aging in place. Clearly, uh, we talk about it all the time in the senior living industry that it's a good 80% of older adults want to stay at home, if not more. That's probably a low number. Um, but why did you start the National Aging in Place Council? And what are some of your initiatives? Um, so the aging, National Aging in Place Council has been around for a number of years. Um, I just came in as chair uh, last year. Okay, gotcha. Uh, yeah, so it, it's been based out of Washington, D.C. It's a not-for-profit, uh, got chapters around the country. Um, so, so they asked me if I would... Uh, consider taking taking over as chair and um, which I was happy to uh, to do and honored to uh, to be invited to do that but but I think for me it's uh, I have had the the extremely uh, good fortune to be able to work with some uh, I think some some global leaders in some areas and particularly in more recent years in the health space and it has just you know we're all looking for purpose uh, when we get up every morning and I have somehow found myself in a place where I have the the opportunity to have more impact with more people. And so so this was a way to say, I think this organization is doing great work, but boy, I, I see still a lot, a lot more opportunity that we can have a greater impact. And so that's that's really why I kind of took took the chair was because I think there's a lot more that we can do. There's such a as you said, yeah, the old data was 80% one aging age in place. And since the pandemic, that number has gone up over 90% by most surveys. Um, wow. People understand the, um, yeah, and, and it may, yeah, it may back off from that. And that may be partly a, a, a local or a short-term phenomenon, but, but nevertheless, people are, people clearly want to do that, but they also recognize they don't really know how. And so, and they may think it's not practical. Well, let's let's learn more about what is practical to do, and let's get at let's get at it. <laughs> like if yeah. you don't do, if you don't get after it, um, yeah, it's not going <laughs> to. I can almost promise you, it's not going to work out unless you really start to work at it, like you mean it, um, and like it matters to you. And if it doesn't matter, that's okay too. There's, you know, we don't all have to do it, but you're not going to. You're not likely to get it both ways because if you're just counting on luck kind of guiding you through it, I can tell you that the the house uh, odds are stacked heavily against you. Uh, you really need to be proactive if you really, really want to be able to get the most out of uh, out of your best years. So true. And, you know, Ryan Frederick just came out with his book, Right Place, Right Time. Um, and do you know, are, are you aware of that book? I sure am, Ryan. <laughs> I had a good chat uh, just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a great book, but he talks so much about how not making a decision is making a decision. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and yep. how hard it is to have the conversation. And oftentimes spouses don't want the same thing. And so it just ends up not being a conversation. Uh, I, I think it's part of the ageism that runs so deep in, in our culture, especially, but but globally. What are your feelings on that? Yeah, <laughs> I tell people, I find myself being a counselor sometimes. Because, you know, in spite of people have been married, for example, for 50 years, 
Um, that doesn't mean they agree on everything. And that doesn't mean their values are exactly the same. They share obviously a lot, but what happens is what I, what I call you get partner paralysis. Um, one yeah. wants to stay as long as they can. They tell me, oh, Scott, I want, the, I, want to, I want them to take me out of here feet first. And the other, the other has visions of, of, the, um, of the Disney vacation uh, resort. Um, and so how do, you, <laughs> how do you resolve that, right? So, so you need to come up with solutions that, you know, 80% uh, likelihood that you're both going to get what, you, what you're looking for. Um, but doing nothing is, is really not productive. Um, it just, it, it puts you in, say, every year that goes by, um, the options just start dropping away. And so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a challenge, but it's absolutely in my experience, uh, again, once you talk to somebody who's got some experience with it and presents you with ideas you haven't thought about, um, again, obviously in couples, they've been together because they're good at working stuff out. They just need someone to maybe help, um, help find an idea that, that maybe wasn't on the table before that they hadn't really thought was a serious one or, you know, or they were kind of fixated on one that, you know, and I tell them, well, here's your idea and let's play that out and see how that works out. You may not want to quite, quite get uh, so dug in on that, uh, that, that notion uh, anyway. So there's different ways to get there, but yeah, it's just, it's an area where I think we just, um, well, I've been living in a house for this many years. There isn't much I could learn. And we're all, we all are guilty of that. And there's just lots of, lots of nuances that can have a huge impact once, uh, once you stop and think about it. The, I was talking to somebody just the other day, he's been working at this for 10 years and he, he knows me pretty well now. And he's, <laughs> we had a very long conversation and, and it was, you know, and one of the things I said to him was, well, can I suggest you go get a, somebody like a property manager to look after your home? Because you, like everybody else, says, you know, I don't want to pay for somebody to do that today. But once you go into a, in a, into a facility, you're paying for that anyway. And you seem to think it's okay to go do that. So why don't you just do it at home and not spend all that cost? And then you have more time uh, to figure out what you want to do after that anyway. But that's a great first step for people and free up time to do other things and, and free up some of that stress and obligation. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the the palette is opening up to not be so black and white, right? It used to just be like, go into a quote, facility institution or go, you know, stay in your primary home and be miserable and lonely. And, you know, it seems like there's so many more options opening up. Uh, I wanted to segue and ask you about the senior living industry. Uh, it's clearly um, more of a needs than a want. Um, industry. It's trying to reinvent itself. COVID's been a swift kick in the butt. Um, so is the senior living industry, are, are, are they in danger of becoming irrelevant? What are your thoughts? Um, so, so the quick answer is no. And I think, and you kind of raised that up at the start, but I know the industry that there's, there's people like me are their biggest threat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard that from within um, because the, because the, the, their model is we want to get you in as early as we can, as young as we can. And so the, they'll tell people, for example, that, um, well, we, you can't get in after you've got a, you know, some disease or something. Well, and can, can you point to anyone who, who hasn't been you know, a friend who hasn't been able to get in because they waited a little longer than they probably should have? No, <laughs> is always the answer. And anyway, that's, 
but there will always be a place for for them. And like the, I think, as you alluded to earlier, there are so many um, different types of scenarios available. There will be more coming. I've looked at, at some other ones as well. The, the idea is with all of these is continue to be creative. And whether you're on the corporate side, like I would suggest to them would be, how do you create more of the of the at home type atmosphere that 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 are keeping people at home? Um, they haven't really made any effort to do that. Um, and generally, I would say the the resort um, thing is appealing as a marketing exercise, but like everybody's t- everybody's get gets tired. I know I'm not picking on on Disney specifically, just only because everyone knows the name. We may have fun going, but we're all happy to leave and go home and have some peace and quiet too. Yeah. Right? So, so it's a, um, yeah, the, it's a, um, I, I think maybe the other thing I would add for people, and this is, a, I think a really practical thing is the financial side of it is, is everyone should recognize that the costs of all of these things are going up faster than the rate of inflation. So if you have questions, if you can afford it today or whatever you can afford today, I can pretty much promise you that you're going to be able to afford less in five years than you will today, just because of, of for many reasons, the, the cost of these facilities is, is escalating pretty quickly. Part of it is just uh, regulatory obligations that are continuing to get piled on them, um, which, which are good, um, but they add to their cost of, of business and trying to provide the service. So. Um, they're not going anywhere. They aren't growing at the rate that they had anticipated. But you know, their, their model is trying to maintain a very uh, targeted occupancy rate, and uh, they will continue to build and trying to pick up on the the growing market. But um, probably not going to not good going to achieve anywhere near the size that they had originally thought of uh, ten and twenty years ago. Yeah, for sure. And, and just the, that traditional model is not looking like it will sustain for the the younger generations right i mean i, I think the 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 skilled nursing and all that will stay but i think that the, the institutional type of approach is pretty much dead and a lot of the regulatory stuff um not being able to get a massage in your community because it's not its own wrong residential or i'm not being able to take food from the communal garden and serve it because of all kinds of regulatory things uh, with food production and delivery. So it seems like there's a lot of institutional things that need to die off for it to be a more appealing product. Um, Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Like, like we would all, and and you could look at something like a, like a NORC, a naturally, uh, naturally occurring um, residential or retirement community. Um, That model comes out in New York. It's been around for a long time and that's really what it's based but it's a you know it's a it's a community based solution, um, but those those take work right, and so people need to continue to support that internally, and that's you know and as soon as you go to the institutional model, then you give away control of all those things, and you and you don't just give away control as you say, the options just disappear because now you're into a regulatory environment that um, that kind of thrusts that. So it is a there is an either or, right? And it's um, the more you can come up with um, what we talk about in, in aging is interdependent solutions. Like yes. forget, forget independence. The solution is interdependence, right? We want to rely on each other for help um, and support. 
um, for for all the good things that come out of being in, in within a community. And that's, I think, a great example of how can we be more interdependent and that way we're also contributing uh, to our community, which, which for a lot of people is the purpose they've been searching for. Exactly. And I, I just was reading Joseph Coughlin's book, um, The Longevity Economy, last night. He, he talks a lot about the villages um, and how much, you know, how some people love it. But he was also saying that the lack of intergenerational interaction is not sustainable uh, as a model in the long term. I'm sure you must um, feel the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. J- J- Joe's been doing some great work um, in the area and it's always, always good to... Uh... To cross paths, yeah. If you look at what are every nat, so the natural solutions, like just step back and look at how has it worked in history. Um, the notion of you know that humans didn't live till eighty, um, you know that we're all you know this we're all living longer. Well, now some of us are living longer. A few of us are <laughs> dying younger. That that's probably a more accurate statement, thanks to the medical uh, advancements. Um, in the U.S., we're not living any longer. In the last 10 years, we've actually been declining even before COVID came along. Um, COVID gave us a uh, another kick in the in the, in the gut, unfortunately. But but if you look at how communities that naturally uh, live longer, they're typically two and three and four generations all living in the same roof. Um, and so when that happens, you get the support network there. But you also get the benefit of the wisdom of having the older generations there, and they have something to contribute in very positive ways. Um, and they're, you know, whether it's tending the garden and making sure that the vegetables uh, and the fruit that come out of that garden have the years of experience that they have to bring and, and how to present those on the table and, and the kids just naturally grow up with that. A lot of things just happen naturally. And so we are seeing more of that for different reasons, more multi-generational housing. And so I think we'll be we'll see some positive benefits of, as a result of that happening. And that you know made is largely just an economic driver for a lot of families, but they're gonna they're gonna find there's some other benefits that they they didn't plan on um, that they'll inherit as a result of that as well. Oh, for sure. And as you mentioned before, these things kind of happened naturally and like Ryan was talking about in his book, we need to be more intentional about creating those types of situations. I'm sure you must discuss that with your clients, but a little more into the high tech realm versus the high touch realm. Technology is clearly driving a lot of the innovation, um, smart homes, monitoring, censoring technologies. What are some of the more exciting technologies that you're implementing um, in the homes that you're working on? Um, so, so there's elements of, of homes are naturally getting smart, uh, smarter for a, a number of reasons. Um, we're still really early days, uh, I think, on what's going to happen in the next five and 10 years. There's going to be some tremendous transformations. Um, but we can look at things like, um, like, like the Google um, system, for example, where they're, and Apple has a similar systems where they're really trying to come up with a platform that services security, it services communication within the house, um, entertainment. Um, you know, you, you, your TV now, when you buy a TV, it, you, you don't have to put the passwords in anymore. All the things that were barriers to us um, are quickly starting to go away thanks to smarter technology. Um, and then, and then we'll also get into. Um, yeah, for me, it's actually, again, if I can switch over into the longevity space, 
Um, what's happening in the wearable devices today is, again, really early days. The opportunity for health for proactive people to get much, much better health data is, is just around the corner um, with artificial intelligence when it starts to come into play and continuous monitoring uh, wearable devices. So like we have a smartwatch today, it's going to look like a Lego in about five years compared to what the watch of five years from today is going to be able to do. And so when we start to put these together, we start to come up with scenarios where it says, okay, I've got a lot of support in my home by some smart devices that are around me that are going to start to alert me or support me as I need, not as opposed to when I'm in a state of crisis. Right. So we kind of go, what was the, the early smart devices where the, what are the device, you know, I've fallen and I can't get up. Well, yeah. right. So the smarter device says you're about to fall. Don't do that. Um, yeah. I love that. The next smarter advice is, you know, you need to be doing more of this so that you don't put yourself even at risk of having the fall. Now I'm using the fall yes. as, as the black and white example, but generally, that's what's what's happening as, as technology starts to get smarter in and around our home. And it's going to learn more about us in terms of us personally. What do I like? What music do I like? Um, it's not going to ask, ask to play music that I don't like. And so it's going to learn what my habits are and support those and encourage me in ways that are that are healthier as it starts to learn more about my diet and how well does my diet support my health span goals. That's so true what you were saying that I um, was interviewing Lori Orloff, who's known as the largely as the Oracle of age tech. She is an analyst you probably are familiar with, yep, yep. Uh, but, but she talks about how aware how she is so, so on board with wearables. She thinks it's by far the hugest opportunity right now for older adults. But she was saying that um, she'd much rather be wearing a wearable that tells her that she's about to get a UTI rather than get on a toilet that tells her she's about to get a UTI. So it's a, it's a difference between things that are smart for home and things that, that are for us. And she's like, I'm just going to wear the watch. I don't want my toilet talking to me. This is happening as much as we think technology has been fast. It's only going to get faster. I was speaking to about 150 physicians uh, a week or so ago. And this was one of the areas that they got quite excited and started to ask me a lot of questions about. I said, because your job is going to change a lot when this data starts to become available, because patients are going to now start bringing a lot more information to you. And they're going to ask, start asking you a lot better questions they've, than they've been asking. And so um, yeah, an AI is going to start telling you some things that uh, not, not the specifics of blood pressure so much, but this is what all this is telling us. This, this patient has a certain uh, risk profile uh, against whatever it is. And here's some things that need to be done to start to direct that. So it's a, um, it's, it's a little daunting for sure uh, for people, but uh, I think we've, at this point, technology is moving in to our daily lives more and more, and we're, we're slowly getting comfortable with it. And we're going to finally, I think, start to see some some real leveraged uh, benefits coming out of it. Well, you're following technologies uh, for the home and um, uh, for um, wearing, uh, and you're involved with the Aging in Place Council and all these different things. What gets you most excited these days, Scott? Um, so I I would say like if. My passion really is around education centered around public health opportunities. And I would say that while 
Well, today we would look around and say that, um, boy, I wish a lot more uh, people were better, better prepared for aging in place, were better prepared to take care of their health. Um, the technology that's coming is going to arm us personally with precision data tailored to our specific genetics um, that's going to figure out what's what's really going to be good for us. So I, I'm, I'm really excited that I think we're we're nearing the horizon where we're going to turn the corner on health in this country. Um, we're going to need the help of technology and we're going to need some help in some other areas, but at least we're going to start to have the tools to start to rediscover health in a way that's personal, uh, it's meaningful, and where each of us feels empowered uh, because we've got data that's really um, designed around us, what our interests are, and, and how do my passions align with with getting my health in line and, and finding solutions um, showing up for us. That to me is probably the most exciting thing. And it's good news because it's been a lot of bad news. <laughs> if we really look, I'm a data guy and I can find all sorts of bad news and all the bad trends. I said, you know, in terms of life expectancy in the country has been flatlined for over a decade. Um, we're not gonna turn that around this year uh, or next year but I can certainly see there's an opportunity here to, to start to leapfrog ahead for those who want to get on board and, and, and embrace it. Well, thank you so much for being a warrior for longevity and health and aging well. I, I so thank you for being here with us today. Well, Nancy, it's been, been great to talk. I, I just have so much passion for it, and I'm thrilled that, uh, that you're out there doing that and, and, and keeping us all uh, all honest and keeping us all informed. Really appreciate uh, connecting with you and talking with you today. Thank you. You've been listening to the Glowing Older Podcast. 